Speaking of being overwhelmed, what mm-hmm. we're, what we're doing today is um, our most requested show topic. We, oh. we we are doing our COVID nineteen origins episode for October, or at least okay. that's that's what I thought the plan was. Set your timer, and if I talk about this for more than five minutes. You get to cut me off, okay? All right. Because this is the segue. Me talking about my personal health issue is going to segue into what's going on with COVID-19 starting now. Okay. For folks who who follow me on Instagram and Twitter know that I was in the emergency room not once but twice for this chronic condition that I have developed where I no longer have... um, consistent feeling or the use of my pinky on my right hand side of of my hand Mm -hmm. okay and i so i went to the doctor and no let me just refresh it i called my doctor's office and they they simply can't see me they're they're overwhelmed with patients and on top of that um they're understaffed they're overwhelmed with patients and they're understaffed because of COVID. So if I was able to get into my doctor's office, I would have to wait Friday, Saturday, Sunday to see if even I could get in an appointment. And I went to work and my hand was shaking so badly. My boss said to me, you need to go to the emergency room like now you need to go now. And um, I had no feeling in my right arm. I had to drive with my left arm. And after a short period of time, feeling returned back into my right arm. But um, sometimes it feels like I have a, uh, a Slim Jim taped to the side of my hand because my pinky just, it, it does not have any feeling or sensation. Still? Uh, no, Still. Still, it's okay. it's still rather numb. It feels like it's somebody. It's it's like I'm touching somebody else's hand. As weird as it sounds, no, I get that. Okay, yeah. it 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 feels unreal, and th- the numbness is moving to my other finger, my ring finger on my right hand side, and it moves up and down my my arm. And I've also been having migraines, and um, when I wake up from laying down from a migraine. Sometimes I have hardly any function at all in my right arm. So this is kind of scary. And I can't see I can't see my doctor because of COVID. Because they're understaffed and they're overwhelmed with patients. This is and this is not a hoax. This is not. This is something this is real. Okay. so I go to the emergency room. I have two CAT scans, one with contrast and the other without. They did the one without first and then they did the other one. To make sure that I didn't have a stroke, because some of the symptoms is similar to having stroke. I also have weakness in my right leg. Okay. Mm-hmm. Trying not to interrupt. Keep going. Okay. So they said we got to get you in for an MRI. Come back to the emergency room Monday morning, and we'll get you in as soon as we can. Even though we're booked, if there's a cancellation, we'll squeeze you in. I was going to be there at the hospital until at least maybe five or six waiting for an MRI that is if they could fit me in 
Because again, they are understaffed and they're overwhelmed with patients at my doctor's Oof. office and the local hospital. Somebody had canceled around one o'clock. They got me in there. I had the brain scan. My, and here's the, here's, don't laugh out loud when you hear me say this. Okay. Okay. My brain scan was normal. <laughs> now, now, obviously, I had been punched up, you know, in the, in the fucking head. Yeah. I was punched in the head back in 1982 or 83, and I was hit mm-hmm. in the head pretty fucking hard. And obviously, I had some unresolved issue from way back then that slowly resolved itself. But it's why I still get headaches back there sometimes. Other than that, my brain scan is normal. (laughs) (laughs) But they did a scan of my neck. So did they calibrate the machine afterwards? They calibrate. They they recalibrated the machine. And they said, wait a minute, hold on a second. The guy from the Fedora Chronicles has a normal brain scan. This can't be right. 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 And it's it's funny because everybody kept referring to me as, well, not everybody. A lot of people kept referring me to, you know, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. Not just Eric Fisk, but Eric Fisk <laughs> from the Fedora Chronicles. So well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, they they finally did a scan of my neck. They did this and um, they did the MRI of my neck. What I might have is a deteriorating disc in my neck. So like the the actual – the disc, correct me if I'm wrong, the disc is the cushion between the vertebrae that the nerves kind of spray out from to prevent right. the nerves from getting stuck between two pieces of bone. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That disc might be deteriorating. There might be something else going on there. The people who were – Looking at the scan, the special their specialty is not MR, uh, is not neurology. I have to go see a separate neurologist to go check when this you out. When do that? Probably sometime this week. Oh, if, good. If I can get in. So, but I still have. I've lost function in my right pinky most of the time. I've lost. I think I've lost somewhere between maybe. 60 to 70 percent functionality in my pinky and it's slowly migrating to my ring finger it's making typing more difficult yeah okay damn. it's making a lot of things that like simply moving a mouse i can uh, i can operate a mouse with just my two fingers typing is a lot harder now all of this the reason why this is all drawn out is because of covid19 Mm-hmm. When a doctor looks at you straight in the eye and says the reason why we're having all of these delays is because of COVID-19. And there are many nurses and other hospital staff who will not take the vaccine. So essentially, they've been laid off. We're in the midst of a medical crisis. And we're laying doctors and nurses and other hospital staff because they won't take the vaccine. Why? Now. Mike, well, there's a couple of whys there. Why aren't they taking the vaccine, first of all? And second of all, why are we letting them go in the midst of all this crisis that we're told is so catastrophic? And that's why we've all got to take the damn vaccine. Right. I can tell you from firsthand, this this is serious. This is a serious problem. Well, yeah, but again, are they... 
to my understanding of it, at least in, in regards to the medical professionals in New York that got laid off, is the vast majority of them had had COVID already and refused to get the vaccine because they already have the antibodies and other people needed the vaccine more than they do. Right. And that was why they were refusing to take it. That was my understanding. So I wonder if it's the same thing where you are in New Hampshire. It's the same thing here in New Hampshire. Oh, let me just rephrase that. I don't know the specifics. Right. I don't know specifically why it's happening like this. I don't know why we're not listening to the healthcare professionals who refuse to take the vaccine. There's something, yeah, there's, why, a, there's a piece we're missing, Jay. Right, and that's, that's the part of it to me that gets very confusing, right? If we have to get the vaccine in order to have the antibodies, and you've had COVID, so you have the antibodies, why do we still want people to get the vaccine? They're doing all of the, we're, you're seeing all of these articles of, dubious origin who are stating that this study or that study has found that people who have had the vaccine are actually more susceptible to getting COVID than people who have developed the antibodies naturally through having had COVID. So why are they pushing this vaccine so hard? This is the part that I have questions about. I don't understand if the purpose of a vaccine is to get you your body to have the antibodies and you already have those antibodies, why do you, why should you get the vaccine anyway? I don't know. I don't either. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. A, when we were talking I've never about had anyone give me a good, a good answer for it. Because from what I understand, from what I have read, and let's just also reiterate here, I'm a smart ass podcaster in Southern New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Okay. I read everything I can get my hands on. As far as this topic is concerned, Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I, at very best, I'm a smart ass podcaster. Right. Okay. At the very least, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of things that had happened over the past couple of weeks that we've wanted to talk about, but because of other things going on with my health and my marriage, and by the way, my marriage is fine. It's just my wife and mm-hmm. I are working some issues out mm-hmm. and fixing up the house. Mm-hmm. Um, laying down floor probably exasperated a lot of the problems that I have, Jay. And Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, is that like my sciatic, I know I have problems in my, sci- in, in my le- left leg. Mm-hmm. Okay, the sciatic-like symptoms in my left leg has now is is happening in my right arm. I'm having an, an, another pinched nerve, and we don't know if this disc is deteriorating or not, which is one of the reasons why we've not been able to have this episode. We're talking about the right. developments in the realm of COVID nineteen that happened mm-hmm. in the, in September this <laughs> this October. I almost said August. Yeah, the beginning of October anyway. It's the beginning of October. Now, there are a couple of news stories, and a lot of people had sent us messages asking us, are we going to be talking about these issues? Are we going to be talking about what's happened in the realm of COVID-19 with Peter Daszak? Because there have been a lot of news items about Peter Daszak that we need to get to in a short amount of time because Jay and I are trying to keep this episode under an hour long. 
I just sent you the link to not all, but some of the articles that we're going to be featuring in this episode. Mm -hmm. The title of this episode is COVID-19 Origins, The Lab Leak Hypothesis and How Peter Daszak Became the Joseph Mengele of the 21st Century. <laughs> nothing, nothing, you know. Oh, geez, extreme about that statement? No, I, I, I'm... You don't I'm, think that's extreme, Joseph Mengele? I'm holding back here because when I read to the audience and you some of these news stories for the first time, you're going to say, I think that Eric held back a little. Now, right. we're, going, we're going to open up the story with this. And this, this is from Drastic a group of people, scientists who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19 and trying to expose the Wuhan Institute of Virology for their complicity and all the people who are involved here. Grant leak proposal details high-risk coronavirus research in this proposal rejected by the U.S. military research agency DARPA describes the insert of human-specific cleavage sites into SARS-related bat viruses this yeah, you say cleavage i started thinking boobies but yeah cleave when i say cleavage sites this is the mechanism and to cut into to make ac uh, uh basically a, an access point for it yeah right yeah drastic ana Sorry, I'm, analysis I'm seven continue right and this is this was uh, this is called the diffuse project peter dashik back in as early as 2018, filed a grant with DARPA, wanted to take modified coronaviruses with, the insertion, with inserted human-specific cleavage sites into bats and release them into the wild and wanted to take an aerosolized airborne coronaviruses that were modified in the lab and spray this mist into the caves where they where they originally found one of these coronaviruses that had been modified in infect all of these bats to see if somehow we could boost their immunity and if it doesn't boost the immunity in these bats, let's see what happens. Okay, so let me sure if I'm understanding this. They wanted to specifically tailor the virus to humans. Right. And then release bats into the wild to see if they developed antibodies. Because you can't keep them in a lab to, you know, maybe reduce the possibility of human infection let's not do that let's not keep them in the lab under controlled circumstances to find out if they develop antibodies because if they're in a cage their immune systems just turn off is that what i'm supposed to be believing here i your guess is as good as mine i'm just, i want to try and read this this is in the first article that i have linked to in in our show page Drastic was recently made aware of documents provided by a whistleblower which show that EcoHealth Alliance 
in concert with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, attempted to carry out advanced and dangerous human pathology bat coronavirus research that would clearly qualify as gain of function. In a grant proposal submitted to the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, otherwise known as DARPA, in 2018, Peter Daszak and the EcoHealth Alliance proposed injecting deadly chimeric bat coronaviruses collected by the Wuhan Institute of Virology into humanized and batified mice. This proposal, named Diffuse, was ultimately rejected for full funding, but leaving open the door for partial funding, in part because the misinterpreted of the GF. Yeah, GOF guidelines. In other words, a branch of the federal government had already judged aspects of EcoHealth Alliance's research and the corresponding shared research plan with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, a feeling of definition of gain of function only for the HHS to approve similar work without review in 2018 and 2019. The documents seen by Drastic were made available by an anonymous source. The detail past achievements and planned experiments in collaboration with research from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, East China Normal University. I've never heard of a university in China called Normal. UNC Chapel Hill, Duke National University in Singapore, and the USGS National Wildlife Health Center, and the Palo Alto Research Center. Okay, so a couple of things went through my mind, right? First of all, why would they do that? Why would they tailor it to humans and then and then inject the virus? And after making the bat, the, the humanized mice, and then tailoring the virus to humanity... Why would they do that? But the thought also occurred to me is they might be doing that in order to develop a um, a vaccine for it, right? For So they were trying to develop a vaccine for a disease that couldn't affect us. So they made it able to affect us so they could develop a vaccine against it. Right. Is near as I can tell the closest thing to something coherent in there in terms of logical reasoning why doing it, right? Yeah. It's insane. Right, but then why would they release the bats? Why would they not keep them under control if they did that, right? So none of this just makes any logical sense to me, and that's worrisome. I like to think of myself as you know being somewhat reasonably intelligent, but if this is what they're doing, it makes no sense whatsoever. None. No, it's insane. It's like this yeah. is this is this is like out of a James Bond movie. Well, you have this mad scientist who wants to release this into the wild to see how bad bad can get. Right. And it's not that's, that. No. That just doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's. It's inane. It's creating a problem to have a salute to justify looking for a solution is what it feels like. Right. And yet here we are. This looks like probably how we ended up with where we are right now. Oh, there's there's absolutely no doubt here. Yeah. There's 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 no doubt you look at this and it was like this is this is 
This is insane. Yeah. This is insane. Let's take the, let's create a deadly virus in the lab. Release it out into the wild and see if bats can develop their own immunity against this virus that's tailor-made to kill people. Let's take a bat virus, modify it in the lab, release it back into the bats to see if whether or not this human-made virus that specifically attacks human cells is something that the bats can adapt to. I'm having the hard, I'm, I'm having the hardest time trying to figure out where were they going right. with this? Right. You're trying to wrap your mind around it as to the what is the benefit of doing this that justifies spending millions and millions of dollars? Hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Well, so we assume. So we assume. You know, but regardless, they're spending they're not spending a couple thousand. It's not like, oh, we'll give you like five K out of the budget to do it. If they're specifically applying for these things, one can assume that these grants that they're looking for are millions of dollars to be able to involve one, two, three, four, five, six different research centers. Six research centers were involved in this. And it, this is the thing I don't get. Not one person in those six centers went, excuse me, um, why are we doing this again? What is the point? Because, you know, we still have this common cold thing people are raving about wanting a, a cure for. So why are we looking into this other shit which doesn't affect humans? Oh, you want to tailor to affect humans. Why? Now you understand why I'm calling Peter Daszak the Joseph Mengele of the 21st century. Because the only reason why you would do this is because you're either sick, mentally ill, specifically, you're insane, or you're evil, or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I, I still think it's just a little, little over the top, just a little. I mean... I get where you're going with it, but I still think it's a little over the top because he wasn't like cutting apart twins and trying to figure out what makes a twin a twin. You you think you think that my um, comparison to Joseph Mengele is a little strong. I'm not saying we don't change. The, I'm not saying we change the title. I like the title. But at the same time, I'm saying calling him the Joseph Mengele of the 21st century feels a little bit of overkill. But so far, only a little. <laughs> And, and meanwhile, while we're having this conversation, you can actually hear my wife, who's celebrating her birthday today, is making me a fresh cup of coffee that is going to be served in my Fedora Chronicles radio show mug that you could buy yourself at Zazzle.com by going to Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. So I have I, I, on the one hand, I feel vindicated. And yet, on the other hand, I'm freaking terrified because even DARPA looked at this and said, no, no, this is insane. This is absolutely, totally insane. This is a line DARPA wouldn't even cross. But they left the door open. Well, we're going to reject your funding for this now. But we'll, well call we'll call okay, so, you we'll, we'll call you later when we it, when we change our mind. 
is how I'm reading mm-hmm. a lot of this. Because Newsweek released okay, a story well, here. Go ahead. You finish your thought. I'm going to yeah. read this headline here. Well, you know, everyone makes a big deal about DARPA as if even the military wouldn't touch it. But DARPA is is concerned with the ban on biological weaponry that was instituted by, I think it was the Hague. I forget who it was. But anyway, you're not allowed to we're not allowed to fight in wars using biological weaponry, right? So that is probably why DARPA passed on it, because DARPA being associated with any sort of research like this could only be assumed to be a way of weaponizing it. Now, when you talk about like the aerosol versions of it, now you're talking about something that sounds like it's weaponized. Why else would you want it to be – why would you aerosol – create an aerosolized version of this. It's just this whole thing just feels like they were trying to create a bioengineered weapon against humanity and develop a way of immunizing people against it. So in other words, if you're trying to create a biological weapon, a virus, if you will, to infect the enemy with, you would want your own your own soldiers and military to be immune to it, so you would develop the virus and the antivirus at the same time, inoculate your own your own military, and then dump that on the enemy, knowing your guys can go in there and not get infected and not suffer from it. That's what just when you mentioned DARPA, that's that's kind of where my mind goes, right? And if that's not what they were trying to do. Why were they doing it at all? That's the scariest question of all. That is that is genuinely terrifying. Because yeah. the thing is, is like if DARPA had said, no, this is batshit crazy. No, this is literally batshit crazy <laughs> because yeah. they're harvesting the viruses either from batshit or extracting mm-hmm. it from the blood of captured bats. And DARPA said, no, no, for the time being, this is too evil even for us. Well, I don't think they, the military is not going to think of it as evil. They're just going to think of it as something that they shouldn't touch. I mean, you got to remember the military doesn't involve itself with morality. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting that, Jay. (laughs) Well, yeah, of a necessity, they can't, right? Yeah. Their job is to fight a war and make sure that our people don't die, that the other people die instead. Right. People lose sight of that. But so and they try and do it within certain standards of let's phrase it as good conduct. Right. So you could say it's a morally fought war if you want. But the truth is the military doesn't delve into the morality of anything. Right. As an organization. Right. Right. They they refer they tend to think of things in more in terms of is it just or unjust. Right. Which you could argue is the same thing, but regardless. So DARPA turning it down to me smacks more of this would be a violation of the NATO accords or some of the some other treaties that we have. The right. fact that we're even delving into this using military funding. That's what that smacks of to me. However, when you look at the nature of the research, I can't see how it could be interpreted as anything other than a way to weaponize a virus i just don't i don't see right i i don't see the i don't see the benefit of it why would you you're taking yeah. yeah 
you're taking a, a a virus that doesn't affect humans and you're making it able to affect humans. Okay, why would you do that? Well, what if it morphs? Well, what if it morphs? You're morphing it that way. And then you want to release it into the wild. That's stupid. That's insane. It's like, I'm going to try and figure out how to treat a gunshot wound by shooting myself. No, that's exactly what it is, Jay. Yeah, and that, that's my point. It's, it's inane. It is almost a caricature of a dumb idea brought to life. And here we are with our economy getting destroyed as a result of this concept, this cartoonish, buffoonish, inane, borderline evil idea that they had that they pushed through. I would like to know, I would like to hear from Peter Daszak or anyone involved with it, what good they thought they were going to do the world by doing this. What was the benefit of doing this that they thought they would get out of it? What was the justification they were using? Or were they, to fall back on the old cinematic idiom, were they so, were they, were they so fascinated by if they could that they didn't think if they should? Exactly. Is that what we're dealing with? That's a, here's Peter Daszak has always gone back to his original philosophy. Mm-hmm. We want to be a couple of steps ahead of these viruses. We want to predict how they're going to freaking mutate so that we can create a vaccine before there's another pandemic. You know what? Here's where here's where I stand on that particular thought process, Mr. Dashik. How about you get the flu shot to be more than 30% reliable? Then we'll talk about stuff that doesn't currently affect humanity and possibility of future permutations of already currently existing viruses. You get the one that we know affects humanity, get that under control. Then we'll worry about the other shit. But it's not as sexy. I don't care. I don't care about I, I'm rocking a dad bod. Sexy is not one of my concerns years ago. You know, I, I just I don't I don't care if it's the cool thing to do. You haven't proven your ability to predict a known problem. Why are you pl- trying? To Why are you creating? That? Why are you creating a new problem to be able to try and deal with? See, you're supposed to You've be got plenty already. You're supposed to be my Jiminy Cricket. You're supposed to be the guy who sa- says, no, no, Eric, th- no, uh, you're, you've gone off the fucking deep end. Throttle yeah, it back a little bit. Right? went off the deep end, not you. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I'm the one who titled this episode, COVID-19 Origins, Lab Leak Hypothesis and How Peter Daszak Became the Joseph Mengele of the 21st Century. At least on a microscopic virus level, I think this guy is genuinely evil, trying to figure out how bad bad can really get and and lying to people by well, saying, yeah, oh, I'm just I'm just doing this because I, I want to I want to predict the next pandemic by creating it in the lab and releasing it out in the wild and see what happens. That's fucking insane. Well, it really is, because when you think about it. We have astrophysicists that 
work on theories to predict what would happen if an asteroid struck the Earth. And one of the steps of research they don't follow is to cause create an asteroid and then cause it to hit the Earth. That's just something they don't do. They don't even create an asteroid that they can send into, say, Mars to try and see if they can then use what happened on Mars as a model to predict what would happen if it affected the Earth. I may be going too far with my metaphor, but this whole entire concept, the very idea of making a virus that currently does not affect humanity, making it able to affect humanity so you can figure out what would we do to combat it, is the height of stupidity and irresponsibility right on the very outset. The very concept itself speaks to its own inanity. It's just it, – why? 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 How did this ever get to the point where he got other people on board with it? Well, that brings up another topic or another aspect of this that we wanted to share on the show. And I sent this to you via the, uh, the group chat that we have with the staff members here. Six of 27 scientists who published paper calling COVID lab leak theory a, quote, conspiracy theory. I'm adding the theory part because there's a difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Have ties to Wuhan lab. A group of virologists in February 2020 published a letter in The Lancet saying they're overwhelmingly... They overwhelmingly conclude that this coronavirus originated in wildlife. 26 of them had ties to China's Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is at best the heart of the controversy over its gain-of-function research using bat coronaviruses. Wow. Signatory Peter Daszak, signatory Jeremy Farrar, director of Wellcome Trust, published work with the head of the Chinese Dissenter Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, who he refers to as an old friend. John McKenzie, tropical infectious disease expert, was a signatory on the Lancet paper, did not disclose. He was also a committee member of the Scientific Advisory Committee of Wuhan Institute Viruses or Virology Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases. And several of the paper's original signatories reversed their positions and are now calling for a full investigation into COVID-19's origins. Wow. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, several signatories have reversed their position. Right. That's the good news. That's that's not only the good news, but it's making me wonder why we're not hearing more of it in mainstream media. To be honest. Well, there's a here's the other aspect to this. The mainstream media will not report on how organizations like the the Lancet, or I'm sorry, The Intercept, has scooped them. They won't talk about how... I'm actually looking up, because Melissa has also sent something to us. Yeah. Um, Melissa wants us to be sure to remind folks of who Children's Health Defense is. It is an American activist group mainly known for its anti-vaccine activities that has been identified as one of the main sources of misinformation on vaccines. Uh, It was founded and chaired by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is now censored on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, probably because of this. 
probably because of this. And now here's here's at the risk of going off topic. Sure. I believe in the science behind vaccines. I really do. Right. I believe vaccination is important. However, I also think we're getting to the point where we're over vaccinating. Right. One of the reasons why I haven't taken the vaccine yet is because I've, I don't have proof of it. I haven't been diagnosed, but I believe I've already had COVID. There was a period of time where I experienced all of the the symptoms that they say is part of having COVID, right? So because of that, I'm not taking the vaccine. I believe I already have the antibodies. If you have the antibodies, you don't need the vaccine, just the way I look at it, right? I also don't get the flu shot every year. It's 30% effective. To me, when you get into the realm of like the um, – let's say the smallpox vaccine, which is somewhere in the upper 90s of, per, of effectiveness. Yeah, I'll get that. No problem. Got no problem with that. You know, but when you're in the low 30s of being able to be reliable, that's less than a coin toss. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to stick something into my body on taking the gamble that it might possibly work. Just the way I feel about it, you know. You eat right, you try and stay healthy, chances are you're going to be able to get past it, Yeah. right? And so that's why I don't take the the flu shot. But I get vaccinated against all kinds of other things. Like smallpox. Be- like smallpox, you know, like, you know, if you travel outside of the country, you've got to get the, um, what is the, the diphtheria shot, right? The one that's only effective for a limited amount of time. I get that. You know, I, I'm not anti-vaccine in general. I just don't see the point in doing the vaccine for this. And that is my signal. I am out of time. Well, I'm just going to quickly wrap this up here and say okay. that all the things that we have been saying for the past two years, let's call it two years or two and a half years, right. turns out to be absolutely, totally correct. And that there is a cover up. Yep. There, There is the very strong possibility, I'm now 99% sure that this is the result of a lab leak. Peter Daszak has been trying to do some of the most insane experiments that you could possibly imagine with bat viruses, trying to make them more lethal and then releasing them into the wild. I call this a, a validation and a vindication, but sadly, I am more terrified than you could possibly imagine at this stage in the game. Because what's going on with COVID-19, it's going to get far worse before it gets better. And I think that, is there something you need to say before you take off? No, I'm agreeing with you. Thank you for a very short, abbreviated show. And I'm surprised that we actually did all of this under 45 minutes. I'm impressed. We can do it. Exactly. (laughs) Let's connect later and let's let's talk about the other aspect of all of this not to leave our our listeners hanging but there's more to come on this topic absolutely congratulations on surviving another episode of the fedora chronicles radio show find out more about the fedora chronicles by visiting our website thefedorachronicles.com that's where you can find our show notes past episodes and articles follow us on twitter facebook instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. 
Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash store slash Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your doors on. <laughs>